Welcome to Extreme Vocabulary. On Extreme Vocabulary, we don't just define words, we look at the culture behind words. And today we're here celebrating our one year anniversary, which actually happened uh, last month from when you're listening to it. We're gonna do something a little different. Um, first of all, we don't have Abe with us, unfortunately. Uh oh. Today. But he lives on in our hearts. And in our souls. In our souls. And in our minds and in the whole spirit of the, the podcast. So And he promised to astral project the spirit here while we're recording. Oh yeah, he's astrally projecting right now. Yeah, we just can't see it. I don't know if that comes through on the podcast, but hopefully, um, hopefully it does, you know. So I'm here with Aaron. What's yep. up, Aaron? Hi, what's up? I'm uh I'm here. Aaron, you usually don't do research for the podcast. Yeah, not my wheelhouse. <laughs> but today you did, right? I had to give it a shot since my uh, my partner in crime is uh, is down right now. Not down, but you know he'll be back. Also, course. maybe yeah, maybe you're gonna be like the hub that uh, projects Abe back into us a little bit. Sure, I'll do my best. Maybe you're the medium. Oh, I can be the medium, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind being. Could you talk a little louder though? <laughs> We're also here with Efren. Efren. Hey, what's up? I'm glad to be here and uh, excited about this uh, new sort of uh, flow here we're, we're working with. Yeah, we usually don't open the door for you until uh, until we go on break, but it comes huffing, you early. Huffing and puffing, running from the bus stop with his uh, literature right over yeah. his head. Yeah, um, you know, I'm used to small indignities, so it's perfectly fine. Well, that's great, but um, yeah. So, what you guys think of uh, the first year? I enjoyed listening to them, editing them. I think. Uh, do I really sound like that in person? Yeah, oh. I think you do. Oh goodness gracious! Are you modifying your voice so you'll sound different today? No. Why would I do that? I don't know. I got a Jimmy Stewart impression on on the back burner if you need. Yeah, just keep it on the back burner. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> um, today's word, which Aaron did do research for, and Efren, as usual, brought some literature for, is vertigo. Vertigo, from the Latin vertere, to turn. And then they went, uh, stayed with the Latin uh, and became vertigo, which uh, means whirling. Hmm. And then uh, that that same Latin word um, carried over to uh, late Middle English, and it hasn't changed since. Vertigo. Vertigo, defined as a whirling and loss of balance associated with heights or caused by disease affecting the inner ear. And for some weird reason, giddiness was part of that definition at the very end, tagged on. Oh, wow. Giddiness. Yeah. I was just as surprised as you were. There's a lot going on there that I'm actually surprised by. I always thought vertigo had something to do with vertical because hmm. it usually has to do with like heights, right? Or yeah. Something like that. Well, there's a connection there for sure. Is it? Because you said... Loss of balance associated with heights. Yeah, but you said vertere is to turn. That was the original Latin um, root yeah. of vertigo. It changed. Which is different from vertical. Yes, it is. I guess, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. There's a lot of ways we can, avenues we can explore here. You know, there's a ver, verdad, you know, in Spanish is, uh, is truth. And mm -hmm. that's uh, sort of sounds the same, but it's not 
the same thing here. Hmm. Vertical, I could see the connection, but it's not exactly dealing with that. It's dealing with turning, spinning, whirling. Wow. Like a whirling dervish. That's the first thing I thought of when I saw whirling. You familiar with whirling dervish? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pretty awesome. Yeah. When I found out whirling dervishes were real, I was so amazed at how beautiful and silly our world is. Wait, what is a whirling dervish? Ah, you don't know. I plead ignorance here, but what is it actually? A uh, whirling dervish is, uh, this is a Sufi um, uh, practice primarily, I would I want to say, in Iran. This is where it goes on, it's but a, it's not limited. To, uh, not exactly Islam. It's more like, oh. a, but it's connected because it's in the same region where Islam is dominant. Uh, it's more like a Zoroastrian, Zoroastrianism. Oh. Uh, Kind of carryover, I want to say. I haven't done the extensive research, so please forgive me. But if I'm making any mistakes, but uh, it's uh, primarily Iran and the surrounding regions. You'll find it. Turkey is also known for having whirling dervishes. It's become more now like a uh, kind of a touristy uh, display. It's an also an artistic expression, uh, a cultural remembrance of things. And the dance and the whirling is uh, significant because we are casting off demons or something to the effect. And there's a lot of other stuff involved with it as well that I won't dare try and get into. They spin forever. They, can, they seem to spin forever, yes. It's more than just a cultural artifact. I mean, these people are still training it's, so it, that they can spin uh, for hours at a time, and they're wearing like this clothes, these clothes that really accentuate this. They're spinning, right? Like a, there's a skirt involved that kind of billows out, and yeah. And I think they kind of like cock their head. A the little head bit. cocking is a thing. There's a hat involved at, at times, um, depending on I don't know what. It's and beautiful. It is. It's very yeah. And uh, you're, yeah, it's amazing that they don't get dizzy and, and fall down or whatever after a certain point. And yeah, there's a lot of religious devotional. Um, energy going on there for sure it's not just a you know a display cultural thing for the tourists not by any means but they figured like hey if they like it we can make money off of it as well why not mm-hmm. so yeah how do you train yeah that's interesting how do you train yourself not to be dizzy that's that's amazing practice it could be a lot of things yeah so they uh, somehow uh, avoid the feeling of vertigo I guess the whole time that they're actually partaking in vertair or whirling. Maybe they become vertigo and therefore cannot experience vertigo because they are it. You ever think about it that way? Okay. <laughs> I just want to say that that's channeling Abraham. <laughs> yes. I think you're right. I think he is. Thank you. Thank you, Abraham. Thank you, buddy. I couldn't have done it without him. Um, yeah. So vertigo for me, I, I always thought of it as having like a, like a medical or um, scientific definition. Like it sounded like a word that they came up with to describe some sort of sensation, uh, you know, in the early 20th century or something like that. Maybe even before that, actually. But um, yeah, I'm not going to try and pinpoint a time period when it was first uh, used that way. But yeah, there's definitely an implication caused by disease affecting the inner ear. Uh, Tinnitus is one of the first ones I think of right away. Is like one of those related um, ear, inner ear diseases that could cause this. Um, there's a bunch of other names too. There's, I saw Meniere's disease is one of those more severe kind of uh, forms of vertigo, and there's a bunch of others. I, I didn't bother writing them all down, forgive me, but I figured we'd have uh, plenty of time to speculate on our own. 
uh, one of us actually has personal experience with vertigo. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Not me, but yes, someone, yeah. someone does. Yeah, who is that anyway? Oh, wait, it's me. Yeah, I actually have uh, uh, a condition called benign uh, paroxysmal vertigo, which uh, I guess it's like when little crystals in your ear fool your your body into thinking you're you're off balance. So, like, if I turn a certain way, which there's that word again, turn a certain way, mm-hmm. right? Um, really quickly, sometimes I'll get vertigo and I'll feel just instantly dizzy. Just you feel like you're spinning. Or you feel like you're sort of about to fall off something, even though you're like sitting down or laying down. It always feels like you're teetering off. You don't have to be on the ledge or anything to feel that way, right? You yeah. could be on a solid floor like right here and you could just feel it. You could be laying in bed and you'll feel like you're laying on a wire. Whoa. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty freaky because you. The, I think you take vertigo. One of the things that it does is like it, it sort of teaches you that you take for granted your balance a lot in life. Hmm. We are constantly spinning, by the way, this planet, and we just don't feel it, feel it or something, right? Some people believe that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you if you believe the Earth is round, yes. yeah. which, I mean, hey, everyone <laughs> has their beliefs, but, you know. Yeah, we're on the back of a turtle shell. Spheroid. <laughs> um, yeah. Vertigo, and also something, is it something that just everyday people can experience in certain situations without any sort of diagnosis? If movies and pop culture has taught me anything, and even maybe like TV shows, just media in general, in the 20th century has taught me anything, uh, anytime anyone climbs high and they look down, there's this vertigo kind of camera effect or feeling going uh-huh. on, or, or at least the implication of it. You know, that view and then the, the nervousness and the sweat. And it's then, where you feel like yeah. the ground is coming up or like you're going to fall off. In some cases, maybe they do that. Or just the, the sheer, you know, height. It just, you know, it, it, it unnerves people to see it. And if you're there experiencing it, most people probably would get some kind of vertigo, I would think. You know, if they're that high and they have a, a fear of heights particularly. And I think most people do, to be honest. I, I don't think any, you know, when you get high enough to a certain point, I don't care who you are. It's a... Uh, it's a delicate situation. You don't want to make any mistakes. I guess that's interesting because Efren's describing something inside of his ear, but then you can also have something happen to you just visually that maybe activates it. Efren, maybe you would know. Are those experiences similar? Um, I think they're both similar only in that you're, something is making your body think that it's not balance that it's not on on flat ground whether it's your ear or whether it's visually then your body because of what you're seeing it's it's almost like it's trying to prepare you to 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 for the you know that the chance that you might fall and so you get this you know feeling this vertigo feeling um yeah the other interesting thing about vertigo is that like you can it doesn't really heal the crystals that, that cause you to get it. Your body just adjusts to it. Hmm. And then you don't, you don't feel the, the sense of vertigo anymore. But this, the, the off balance uh, that calcates in your ear is still there. Huh. So you almost never feel it. Yep, almost never feel it. Hmm. But when are you likely to feel it? Um, like if I suddenly like were to like, probably fall or like jerk my head backwards without warning um i would i might feel it but 
I'll have also little episodes where, like, for a couple of days, like, sudden movements will just, like, make everything spin, spin around me. It is spinning. Yeah, it's very, whirling is very much part of it. Yeah. Uh, so, this, this doesn't happen too often, though, right? Does, does that, like, flare-ups, like, just occasionally, like, out of nowhere it'll happen? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, there are flare-ups, but, mm-hmm. like, I haven't had a flare-up for months, so. Hmm. Yeah. Well, let's hope it doesn't happen ever again. Yes. Isn't there a Hitchcock movie? Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. I was psychic. Yes, yeah, there's something going on there. And guess who was in that uh, film, starring in that film? Jimmy Stewart? Mm-hmm. Was he called James Stewart in the James credits? Stewart, yes, yeah. of course. He, he, we mostly went by that. You know, he was Jimmy, trying to get away. His friends him. called him Jimmy, right? And yeah. His Hollywood, uh, his Hollywood uh, elite that he hung out with, yeah. And uh, I, I, I have not seen Vertigo, and uh, I know that's one of those crimes against humanity, some people would think, you know. I'm I not the only either. one. I'm I not the only either, one. either, which is weird. Honestly, I haven't seen too many Hitchcock, and even though I know he's, you know, he's considered one of the greatest directors, and I do really like, I like The Birds. I was really freaked out by it the first time I saw it as a kid, and in hindsight, I'm like, that was good. He freaked me out. He did his job, and that was incredible. And uh, yeah, the suspense in that movie was off the chain, and you know, I've seen, you know, enough of psycho to to know what's you know what was going on there but i really haven't seen a lot of his classics and this is one of those that i, I know it's probably should be on the list i don't know what it's about it's set in san francisco and it's about uh i think he's a cop and uh there's a little bit um there's a connection to ambrose bierce's an occurrence at owl creek bridge have you heard that read that short story i know you haven't but no no okay well that is a short story um that is all about, you know, kind of the, you know, what goes on in our heads, kind of the flashing moments before our eyes, before before death, and um, the scenarios that sometimes our minds create. So there's something like that going on in the film, and I don't want to, like, go more into it because I didn't, like I said, uh, extensively read the synopsis, which, because I still want to watch it one day. But um, there's uh, the Golden Gate Bridge is involved, and uh, there's, you know, dangling from it, I think, is involved as well, and probably other buildings in the city, you know. And then distorted perception is the uh, theme running mm-hmm. throughout the film. Is uh, Probably that's all I should say more. And that's kind of what vertigo right. is, a distorted perception of your balance, mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. And then they extend that to a, a larger metaphor about, you know, our distorted perception as people and human beings. Right? Wow. So they probably, he probably does a much better job at it because it's Hitchcock. So watch the, watch the movie. It's a classic. I have a factoid about Jimmy Stewart. Oh, yo, what, what, what do you got to say about old Jim? <laughs> Let's see if anyone knows this. Oh, Murray. <laughs> what distinction? <laughs> what distinction does uh, 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 Jimmy Stewart have uh, related to the military? Huh. He f- was a pilot. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Oh, that he shot like a bunch of people down, right, or something oh, like that. I don't know that. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. Anyone? This is not Purple Heart. Oh, I, I can't be Purple Heart, though. It's that he, he's the only, like, celebrity or actor to achieve the rank of a general. He's oh, the general. highest. He's, he's the highest Air Force ranked, general? Yeah, I think Army. Oh, an Army. Okay, uh, 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 the highest ranked, like, celebrity, like... Right, right. Like, maybe, like, Brigadier General, the lowest one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, he wasn't no four-star you know, yeah. general. Yeah. Because, you know, other celebrities, right, served and baseball players, but he's the one that achieved... He's the only one that achieved the, the high rank. Yeah. He was a real deal, supposedly. Oh. Yeah. That's, that's no small accomplishment to get that high in the, in the military, definitely. So who would win, him or Steven Seagal, like in the... <laughs> oh, man. 
all steals a gall a little panty waste. <laughs> uh, I have an experience recently, and you can tell me if it is vertigo, actually. As you know, well, actually, you don't know, dear listener, but we have experienced like a number of injuries in extreme vocabulary. We are literally the walking wounded, and Efren is the healthiest of all of us, I think, at this point, which didn't yeah. always used to be the case. Yeah. If there's any group of people in which I'm the healthiest, that's a sad, yeah. sad state. <laughs> and I think it's it just tells us about what we go through to put this podcast out. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, but anyways, I broke my leg, uh, and uh, one of the scariest things about... Not only broke it, compound. Yeah, I broke both my tibia yeah. and my fibula. Yeah. Oh, geez, I'm just looking at that scar on your knee right now. I didn't see it before. Yeah, they cut yeah. open my knee so Whoa. that they could nail in a rod. When did the stitches come out recently? Uh, like a week ago. Okay. Yeah. But um, Minor it kind of sucks, too. Because that means that I'm not going to have, like, a whole bone anymore unless I really want to. Then they can take the rod out and I go through another healing process to get the bone back. That's like, like, I'm probably not going to do that. But Just set off metal detectors everywhere. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm just going to be a guy with a metal leg, which is, they say it's going to be fine. I got to try jogging on it and make sure. But anyways. Not right away. (laughs) um, The scariest thing is trying to learn to use crutches. And knowing that, especially in the first days back in the hospital, that the um, consequences of you failing to use crutches are, like, very dire. If you fall on your leg again or if you fall down, it'll just hurt so bad, you know. So they taught me how to use crutches to go up and down stairs. But sometimes... When I get to the top of the stairs or right before I go down from the top... I feel like I'm losing my balance. I don't know if it's because I feel winded or what, but I, I feel like I almost fall down off the top of the stairs. Um, uh, once it was feeling like I almost was going to fall down backwards, and once it was, it felt like I was almost going to fall down forwards down the stairs. And uh, it was just this weird sensation, like all of a sudden my balance was gone. I don't know if it was the visual of looking down the stairs or the fear or or just, like I said, being kind of winded. But uh, I don't know. Is that vertigo? I think it is. I think maybe – is it like maybe your body doesn't feel as sort of secure so it's trying to overcompensate? Like you're mentally you're, – yeah. you're, you're trying to overcompensate for the, for the possibility of falling so much so that it actually gives you vertigo because you're, you're trying to like get balance? And it's – it's the kind of thing where it feels like vertigo is one of those um, detrimental adjustments that your brain makes where mm-hmm. by overcorrecting how you feel, you actually feel like you're going to like uh, more off balance or something, right? Yeah. Um, like what are those called? They're like adaptations that are detrimental. Like evolutionary adaptations that have a negative effect. Oh. Like our fevers or something like that. Supposedly, when we get a fever, it doesn't actually kill viruses. It's not hot enough to kill viruses. All it can do is potentially give you brain damage, is my understanding. Really? You hadn't heard that? I mean, no, I've heard that fevers are they're supposed to kill, but... 
I didn't know they didn't. That's what I hear. So then why do we get them? Because our bodies hate us. Maybe viruses a million years ago used to be more fragile. I don't know. Yeah. It used it to be possible weird. maybe to sweat it out. And, you know, I mean, some sicknesses you can kind of sweat it out too. Um, but nowadays they're getting, like, we got super bugs and they're resistant. So. But supposedly the, the nature of what a virus is and what it would take to break the chemical bonds would never be broken by going up two degrees or whatever. So I don't know. I don't know. What about bacteria, though? Maybe that's what fevers come from. Maybe. Maybe. Scientists, call in. Let us know. Uh, we're going to take a break, and then we'll be right back with a book. Indeed. All right. week on Extreme Vocabulary, we like to look at a piece of literature that features today's word. And Efren, uh, as usual, found that piece of literature for us. I did, and it's it's very, they're all, these are all, they're all special, but this one is extra special uh-huh. because it involves the writer Jorge Luis Borges, the Argentinian writer, who is a favorite of Abraham, our comrade, who is not here with us. So I guess me choosing this is sort of my way of... Um, it's an homage. Yeah, of, of sort of uh, honoring him. Yeah. We love Abraham. He does the hard work. We do, and we hope he's back soon. Uh, uh, very soon. The story I have is called uh, form of The Form of the Sword. And it's about... Two guys that meet up at a bar, which often happens, and they start sort of telling war stories. And one guy tells a story about uh, an experience he had uh, in war where people's ethics sort of came into play. And it does use the word vertigo in an interesting way, in a kind of metaphorical way that I'm curious to see what you all think. So. I don't want to give any more spoilers about the story itself because you have to read this story. This story is, it's brilliant. Wait, what, what's it called? The Form of the Sword by Jorge Luis Borges. Okay. So let me just read this paragraph and listen out for, uh, for the word. At this point, my story becomes confused. Its thread is lost. I know I pursued the informer down the dark corridors of nightmare and the deep stairs of vertigo. Moon had come to know the house very well, much better than I. Once or twice I lost him. I cornered him before the soldiers arrested me. Mm. 
Okay. Down the deep stairs of Vertigo, and it's stairs as in walk up the stairs. The stairs of Vertigo. Okay. Yeah, and the dark. Are these, are these narrow? Are these narrow stairs? We, we can assume. That's a good question. Oh yeah. I like that. Narrow stairs get me a little, you know, I, my balance is not the greatest and, uh, you know, it's well documented. <laughs> yeah. By the way, my injury is I had an extensive uh, surgery on my foot. And so it's called a Hoffman Clayton procedure if you're interested in being grossed out. And then I had to have a second surgery because of other reasons. But anyways, the reason we're here is because of narrow vertigo staircase. And yes, I've experienced narrow staircases before and they give me a little bit of a, I wouldn't say they throw me off balance, but they make me feel uncomfortable like I could get off balance at any moment, especially mm. the higher up you get. So I buy it. Huh. <clears throat> okay, Form of the Sword. That When you said that title, I wondered if I had read that story because I read this other uh, Borges story that was about a knife. It was about a knife at a barbecue and there was something about the way that he talked about the knife, like the knife sort of made him stab this person, not the narrator. It wasn't told in first person, but I think Borges has this kind of idea that um, objects uh, format the behaviors of people. It kind of has this media is the message kind of um, analysis sometimes. So when you said form of the sword, and I imagine this guy was, did he have any reason to stab this guy or was it sort of, does it feel like it's the sword that's making the guy do the, the action, commit the murder or whatever? Yeah, the story you're referring to is, I believe it's called The South, um, the story that you're referring to. Um, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I think okay. it's called The South. Well, then again, like swords are all over Borges' work. Okay. Because, um, yeah, for him, swords were like living things. They're sort of, yeah, I think you're very right. They animated us to do things, right? Yeah. Swords are these living things that pass through people's hands. Um, and he wrote a lot. The swords appear in a lot of his stories. Um, he wrote poetry about, like, swords that go back to, like, the Anglo-Saxon, uh -huh. like, yeah, uh, uh, age. I think there's a quote about a sword on his headstone. So, mm -hmm. yes, wow. swords are a big deal to the board. I never knew that about Borges. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, I just immediately, when you said that, or I mean, after you discussed it, I, I started thinking of uh, George R. R. Martin. I'm a fan of Game of Thrones you know, and the uh, I, Song of Ice and Fire, even though I haven't read everything, but I'm caught up with what's going on because I'm not going to sit there and read the entire giant novels that he writes, but I am going to research and look up characters and find out what's going on. So I know what's going on in the show, and that was a long time ago, so... We're past the point of any spoilers or anything. I don't care anymore. But uh, Martin is one of the many things. He does a lot of stuff in his books. But one of the many things he does is he goes out of his way several times to reference these ancestral swords. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's very much like a medieval, like representing England during the War of the Roses period. You know, um, this is the um, the time and the uh, setting we're in. And swords, of course, are very important. And these very specific ancestral swords made of a very specific type of steel are prized because they are the only kinds of swords aside from this other substance that's basically obsidian they call it dragon glass those are the only two things mm -hmm. that specific kind of sword and the dragon glass are the only two things that can kill the uh, white walkers these mm -hmm. the, the other the enemy right 
this um, otherworldly, you know, non-human creatures that are, you know, opposing them. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, and the swords, and they've all got names, and they've all got this lineage, and they're <laughs> legendary, you know. Yeah, that's such a universal thing in, uh, in like, legend. The idea that the sword uh, has this spirit and you got the, this sword, that means you can do... The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this thing. Yeah, with Dark Sister, you can do this. With Heart's Bane, you can do this other thing, yeah. Yeah. I'm, th- I'm just thinking of like Kill Bill, right? The Hattori Hanzo. Oh, there you yeah. go, another one. Yeah. 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 Swords. You know, uh, in Argentina, there's a lot... I, this isn't really a sword thing necessarily, but they do eat with giant knives. And I know Borges probably ate with giant knives in Argentina his uh because he likes writing about barbecues and stuff like that yeah so they'll just like have these bowls of food and they'll just have a fork maybe just to hold it cut the piece of beef and then just eat off the knife oh like an apple yeah sounds yeah. amazing there's something about eating off a blade yeah it's uh it freaks people out like you know I used to do it my ex-wife would be like stop doing that don't you know like I would cut an apple with a knife and I was gonna go like that right like, stop it, you're gonna cut your mouth. Did you ever cut your mouth? Never once. I'm trying to connect the theme of uh, that short passage with our theme of vertigo. This idea of uh, a sword controlling your behavior, or whatever. Um, and vertigo, this feeling that you're falling into something. Don't fall on the sword, though. Don't fall on the Don't sword, that's the right. Sword. That's a good tip. Yeah. I'll try to remember that one. So, unless you really have to <laughs> unless you want to because you you're protecting somebody usually it's like I, I fall on my sword for that you know my general or something right now uh, wasn't didn't the this japanese writer once commit ritual suicide because yes he he tried to like overthrow the government and then he and then he like he seppuku yeah yeah, and then and then it didn't work, and like he, so he told someone. Someone was already like assigned to like chop his head off or something. If 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 the revolution wasn't successful, right, right. That's called your second. It goes back to samurai culture. You know, it's like ritual suicide. Sipuku is you're gonna cut yourself in the belly and draw it across and basically disembowel yourself. It's not a pleasant way to go. And so, if you're fortunate enough, you have a second. You're a guy who's you know your trusted friend who also a samurai who knows how to swing a sword and you know deal one blow because if not then yeah it's gonna be messy and again not for, not fun <laughs> but uh you know but he will be there and as soon as you basically get going with the disembowelment you don't even have to be finished he's gonna be there ready to cut off your head so that it you know ends it for you in, a, in an honorable way what i think is interesting is that like we talked about vertigo as vertigos are word of the day and yet are kind of like supplementary word of day became somehow sword <laughs> like you wouldn't think that that would happen but i wonder if there is hmm. like josh was saying a sort of like disorientation involved with the sword yeah you draw a sword and then you're suddenly and you have to whirl at times part of this you know whirling feeling this overcorrection to use the sword or i don't know yeah it's weird it's a cool idea. A whirling dervish wielding the wielding a sword. Yeah, I mean, just quickly to go back to the to the passage itself, I think it's worth noting that you know it's it's a metaphor that the deep stairs are a metaphor for vertigo, right? He chose of all the things to choose as a metaphor for vertigo, he says the deep stairs of vertigo. Yeah. Right. Vertigo is usually associated with like much more 
vast heights, right? Um, and deep stairs. I mean, hmm. it doesn't make you think more of like a dark hole, like a cavern, cavernous hole, maybe that a sword will plunge into or something like that. Yeah. We can also get vertigo, not just from stairs, but from a ladder, right? Yeah, anything that you, that I guess you step up on or have to balance on. You have to balance on stairs, you have to balance on a ladder. I know you guys don't don't watch or maybe even care for Game of Thrones, but I'm going to show you a scene when we're done here. I've heard of that show, but, though. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's got a lot of good stuff. I actually read two of the books. Oh, which ones? The first two. The first two. Oh, yeah. Those are probably the like best that. two to read, yeah, probably. And then after that, it gets a little like too much. You know, it's like, where are we? What the heck? Who is this person? A lot of that going on. Once Roose Bolton came back, I was like, what is this crap? Yeah. Who's Roose Bolton? Right. Yeah. He just came out of nowhere. Huh? Yeah. Like, well, he didn't actually come out of nowhere, but I just. But had for you, no as a, idea. you as a reader, yeah. yeah and I, I know had a lot no of. idea why I should remember him. A lot of readers and even viewers of the show, because even though the show is not nearly doing as much as the books is doing, because they can't, it's impossible. They've got tons and tons of, of characters and many who have died and are at this point, and just it's a lot and it's overwhelming for a lot of people, and that's why they. Um, they, they, they'll like to watch it casually because of things like the nudity and the, the battle scenes and all that. And there's a lot of good stuff there and the effects and the dragons. But then the intrigue and the palace intrigue and the character development, it's just like the casual viewer is completely lost. People I was even who complete, follow it, yeah. I think it is an impressive like memory test to be watching that show mm -hmm. and to try to figure out what's going on. Yeah, um, it absolutely is. I yeah. saw my first episode ever of that show this past couple of days ago. Did you see the first se episode from season I, one? I, the one with the one that had Ed Sheerhan in it. Oh, that you saw the first episode of season seven. You got a lot of catching up to do. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah I, I saw that same one. That's yeah, the, yeah. The, the season seven, seven premiere was Sunday. Yeah. 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 Did you like it? I got vertigo from <laughs> <laughs> because like <laughs> my girlfriend was like, okay, this person's that, that person's this. Okay, now that person too much. is against that person. Now, okay, who are who are those people? Oh, those people are that who's who are enemies of that person, and that's that person's brother. Yeah. And that and I, I got a don't sense try and of, jump in. I got a sense of of that things were off balance because there were too many things. You, you I couldn't plant my feet in the episode mm -hmm. on steady ground, but I enjoyed it. You you should really go back and watch all the six seasons before that, and it'll make a lot more sense. You'll enjoy it more too. I would, but I I very busy researching literature for this podcast, yeah. so I can't just willy nilly start watching the show when I have work to always do. Some, <laughs> always some excuse. You know? I mean, you know, Josh you know, you almost does that. My kid, I, hey, you want to do this? Oh, no, I got a lot of work to do. I got to clean the house, and yeah, you love cleaning the house, don't you? All of a sudden, right? I mean, Josh <laughs> broke his leg editing this show. <laughs> I think we should show our respects by working. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, speaking of editing this show, we'll be right back after this. Each week on Extreme Vocabulary, we like to listen to a song uh, that features today's word. Um, what you don't know is we usually try to figure that out off mic, but let's just do it on mic. What song's good? 
Vertigo, vertigo. Um, you spin me right round, baby. You right stole round. mine, the one I was gonna think of. That's it. Thanks for listening to this week of Extreme Vocabulary. See you next time.